you're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, beautiful listeners, and a special welcome to my first-time Russian listeners. I'm grateful that you would take the time to tune in. If you're like me, podcasts are something you listen to while doing something else, which is part of the beauty of podcasts, isn't it? You can go for a walk or go to the gym. By the way, my guest today and I work out at the same gym here in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. It's called Evolve Fitness. That's not a plug. We actually chose that gym for the same reason, and that is they don't require face masks. But there are two really good gyms here. One is called The Gym. And I know what you're thinking. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most original, they probably don't even deserve a score. (laughs) But the world we're living in now, it wouldn't surprise me if I show up tomorrow and they have a trophy displayed behind the girl working the front desk that says most original name for a business in 2022 because you my dear listener happen to be living in an upside down clown world but we're in this together and we're going to thrive together but as workout times go Allah's more of a nine to nooner while I'm a 5 to 7 type of guy, 5 to 7 p.m. So I've never seen her there. We met in an elevator at our condo building. So she must have been visiting a friend or something. We never talked about it. But I tell you what, fellas and gals, the wife has been on my better side about changing up my workout schedule for months. And her reason is so that I can better accommodate the family's needs. In other words, we're going to eat as a family. The baby needs a bath, especially on those days where she takes an elephant-sized doo-doo brown. I don't know how she does that, (laughs) but, you know, my muscles just aren't ready early in the day for an intense workout. Otherwise, I'd make the switch, no problem. I'd do anything for the fam. The issue, as I see it, everything is done on time. If I have to shorten my workout so that I'm back in time for dinner, I do that. Baby overseas, she gets a bath over 99% of the time. Big doo-doos or no doo-doos. Somebody mark this down. Whatever comes between me and the fam gets destroyed. Just so we're clear. But other, quote, exercisers... Maybe they make that adjustment with no issue. But you got to remember, my wife is in her 20s. So she'll understand someday. When I was in my 20s, I could throw the pigskin a quarter mile with the wrong hand. And I'm not right. I would do deadlifts at graveyards for automobiles. And if you had something to say to me, you better say it into this mic. Because as everyone who's been on this show knows, I got a backup mic right here. 
Check one, two, testing, testing. Yep, they both work. And guess what? They don't like no feedback. What's up? If I know there are Joe Durte fans out there, and I do realize I'm churching it up for the podcast, I'm going to break you off a little something. I mean, when you think about this podcast, rule number one is I'm number one. I like to kid around. You, dear listener, are number one. And that's just my nature. I try to please everyone. Please. Isn't that interesting that you can make a comment like, I just aim to please, please, and using that same word changes everything? Okay. If I may switch to a more serious tone, how about that for a 180? Suddenly I'm asking permission to change tones. If this is your first time listening and you're not Russian, well, look what I just did. And now I feel obligated to address my South Louisiana audience specifically. Why? Well, because if they hear, if this is your first time listening and you're not Russian, they're like, well, I was just told by Brandon Rutley I'd probably like the Man Overseas podcast, so I'm tuning in for the first time, but I'm, I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> it's the accent, the dialect. Are you Russian? I'm not Russian. You see there? And I've had so many guests from that part of the world, I've gained quite an audience in the boot. They call it that boot. And so big thank you to those of you who've helped me to build that audience. The part I have played is tiny. I just host the thing, give them a place to promote whatever it is that they do and talk a little bit about themselves. And we share stories but I land guests like Brian from Gator Coolers or Matt from AMO Title, Melanie of Brush by Boudreaux, Brian Roundtree, probably the best dentist you know, G. Cassard, a man I have so much respect for, I'd spend the, the rest of the show talking about him. But I now consider him a friend. He's the guy who recruited me to play baseball at Nichols State. Seth Thibodeau, associate head coach at UL Lafayette. These guys are big dogs. Brant Quick, Brant, Brandon Rutley. All salt of the earth freaking studs. Richard Quickie, the biographer for my grandfather. Tank Johnson, Parfait, my 96-year-old World War II vet who's lived the life of Riley. <laughs> and please, if, if I missed anybody... Please, this is off the top of my head, so let me know if I missed you, and you will get a special shout-out, I promise. Dialects fascinate me. Wait till you hear my next guest. He's a Brit who has lived in Vancouver for a while, so you'll get a kick out of his accent. But he's very articulate, real smart dude. Accents and dialects are no reflection of intelligence and wit. That I can tell you. But even before coming here, I was trying to get a deal done in a small suburb outside of Houston. This is just before we left to come to Mexico. And I tell you the story to say dialects are everywhere. I don't want you to think I'm singling out South Louisiana because even though I am, I could pick 55 spots within a 300-mile radius of Houston, let's say, I was trying to get a real estate deal done by the time I left for this trip. 
but I had to make a deal before we got too deep into working together, me and this guy on the other end of the deal. And that deal was you and I, if we could just text and email, because I'm a busy man and, and I'm sure you are, let's make phone calls a last resort if we can. I've got a young baby. She sleeps a lot. Because our first conversation, this is how it went. It was, Brad, why don't you come by the house? I've been in this business long, long enough, and, and I find the best way to get a deal done is all sides are put, put at ease. I mean, what good does it do to have someone, I'm trying to get a deal done, and the other guy is nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs? But as I stand before you here today, Brad, you know, I thought I'd put this big hat on and and knew you'd see the size of the hat, see see the size of the truck, my truck when I pulled up. And this hat, shit, I love this thing, man. I've had this old hat I nicknamed like Wiley Coyote, but I spelled it a little different. I've had it since my Aunt Murtis gave it to me. When did she give it to me? Well, it must have been 1996. No, no, Brad, that, no, be, that's not right. Because, shit, that was, that was the year Darlene had her first. Her little daughter's name is Ellen Sue. Let me show you. Come, come here, Brad, let me show you in this room here. I've got a picture of those pretty little eyes. You got to see this picture. Come in, come in here, Brad. Look on the back here. She looks like she just came out the stable. It says... It says here July 98. So I was I was way off. I'll be damned. And I should know better. If it wasn't 96, I swear if my wife if my wife knew what I just told you, we'd have more than a come to Jesus that night. I promise you this. But look, Brad, keep it between us cuz that couldn't it couldn't have been that that damn year. The year Murtis gave me the the hat my my wife right now she's at the uh at shit i don't even remember her name but when it comes to me it'll come to me but she's over there washing probably her third load of clothes just today but i'll I'll be man that's a great woman there you get a woman who's washing three loads of clothes in one afternoon and comes home with a smile and makes sure that that dinner's on the table for the family Man. So anyway, I swear, it could take this guy 30 seconds to say what could be said in six seconds. So I was like, dude, I got a busy schedule. If we could just text, we'll get this deal done quick. Here's the thing. Ala Bandarenko, I believe is how you say her name. She is going to knock your socks off. They tell me not to use cliches. I tell them not to speak French. (laughs) <laughs> we call that even Steven, and the cliches continue. Let me tell you what this episode is about, and we'll introduce my special guest. You're going to hear what it was like for Allah growing up in St. Petersburg, Russia, before moving to Moscow. I ask her opinion of what's going on now in Ukraine, now that Russia has, quote, invaded I say, you'll understand why I say, quote, once you hear her opinion. What, what an interesting gal. We discuss masculinity and femininity because somehow Russia 
avoided the feminist wave that has swept through the West. We discuss COVID. She is of the opinion that she 100% believes COVID was deliberately unleashed on the world by the CCP to do serious damage. We discuss what the years were like following the Soviet Union's implosion in 1991. There was lots of poverty. And my next guest, in fact, talks about how he would go to play in Vladivostok, which is where Julia Va, a previous guest of the podcast, where she's from. It's on the eastern side of Russia, so way far away from St. Petersburg and Moscow. But he would tell me that they had tinted windows on the bus that would take them around town. And that was not so that usually you have tinted windows so people can't see in. No, these were tinted windows so they could not see out. And one can only assume that that's because the area was so stricken with poverty following the implosion of the Soviet Union in 91 that they didn't want foreigners to see what was going on. And also, Allah gives her unique opinion of Vladimir Putin. So since we don't say without further ado on this show, we just bring on the guest. Here is my chat with Allegra Bond. That's her Instagram name. <laughs> Please enjoy. Allah, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Now, you're from St. Petersburg, Russia, is yes, that correct? Yes, I was born there in St. Okay. Petersburg. How long did you live there? I've been living there until 25 years, and then I moved to Moscow because of the job, and I spent seven years in Moscow. Yeah. Okay, so 25 years in St. Petersburg, yes. seven in Moscow, that puts you at 32 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, from and Moscow, I, I moved to Hong Kong. I was invited for their jewelry company there. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, I love Hong Kong. It's amazing. Me too. Because why? I'm sorry? Uh, because I like why I like I th- it. I thought you said I love Hong Kong be- yes. because. Just because I have everything there, like city with cultural life, with best restaurants and nature. Mm. A lot of nature, hiking, beaches, like sea, everything. Yes. And nice community there. Yes. My mom and now wife went to Hong Kong and stayed on Kowloon Bay in one of those hotels that has a pool that overlooks the bay. Mm-hmm. We paid an ungodly sum to stay at this hotel, but we figured it's once in a lifetime opportunity to travel with your mom and your girlfriend. And so we were going to splurge. It was probably, if I had to guess, $250 a night, which is a lot in Hong Kong, maybe 300. I don't remember. It was a lot of money. We go upstairs so that my then girlfriend could take her Instagram photos. Of course. (laughs) The pool was closed. You couldn't access the pool. I was so mad. I went downstairs fuming. I showed the manager my Instagram, and I'm like, do you realize how many people are on this app? Do you know how many girls stay here because of the pool, and it's closed? And I started negotiating. I got 
the breakfast spread was amazing. And of course, it overlooked, it had floor to ceiling windows overlooking Kowloon Bay, which on the other side of the bay are these skyscrapers, which mm-hmm. are just gorgeous. And so I negotiated three, I think it was like $70 breakfasts or something. For three days, we got two free nights. I mean, I just went after this guy negotiating so hard because the pool was closed. But it was closed for like forever or for several days? For construction. Uh, it was just closed. So for a long time. Yes, but I said, you've got to put a notification on the website course, or something. We would not have stayed here. Sure. We could have stayed at the hotel next door because pretty much every hotel on Kowloon Bay in Hong Kong yeah. has that infinity pool overlooking the water where you can see the skyscrapers yeah, and take the, the selfie. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that's my memory of Hong Kong. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would travel to Hong Kong right now, though. I mean, it's closed. Is it closed completely? I mean, you have to stay, I think, two weeks quarantine in the mm. hotel. Mm-hmm. And you have to pay a lot mm. you know, for the hotel. So, yeah, it's still very complicated. It's been closed for two years. Yeah. For everyone, for residents, for citizens, for tourists. So you can't go out or in. The coincidence of that security law being passed by the Chinese CCP and COVID is suspect, to say the least. COVID is something that impacted your life, presumably. Mm, yes. Where were you living at the time? Uh, so, yeah, I've been in Hong Kong. Then uh, I moved to, I came back to Russia to, because I was waiting for the visa and all these documents. And COVID started, so I couldn't go to Hong Kong anymore. They closed it and... Uh, I spent this like lockdown, not a year, half of the year in Russia, but it was good. It was it was nice time, and then uh, I traveled around Russia, so it was a good opportunity. Because, for example, I've been to Kamchatka. It's a region where you difficult to go. It's very far and it's full of tourists, so expensive. So that moment, it was empty, and mm. I just opened it after lockdown. And in two days, I've been there, so it was beautiful. That's awesome. Yes. Spell that for me. Can you in English? Kamchatka. How do you spell it? Um, I will text you. I mean, okay. I will write you later. Kamchatka. Yes. And was Russia real strict about face masks and getting vaccinated and all that? That time, no. Fa- yeah, face mask. I've been obligated in the public transport, in supermarket, and some yeah public uh, places, but I never wore face mask. I just we all have like chin mask, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the thing. Yeah, the, even like the moment that they start talking about, I remember it was in May, May two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. They start talking about oh they're gonna make vaccine. Mm-hmm. I thought okay, I'm not, I'm never gonna make vaccine mm. i'm never gonna do this yeah and i was like thanks god i live in russia so here you can buy it <laughs> so you don't need say to... i'm sorry you couldn't buy it no you can buy uh, you can buy certificate without yeah having vaccine oh okay but not only in russia like mm. last year showed me that most many of my friends bought it also mm. in europe in the united states and 
Canada. So they're not actually getting the vaccine. They're yes. buying their certificate. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's kind of corrupt, right? That's corrupt, but it's better. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy. I didn't buy a certificate because mm. I didn't want to play this game. Mm. So I even didn't want to, yeah, to agree to, to have this. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of corruption in Russia, you think? Mm, yeah, I think a lot in different levels. Compared to the United States, for example, there's no free speech in Russia, correct? Like no. if you wanted to say Putin was an a-hole. No, there is. You could do that? Yes, you okay. can do this. Yeah, because Navalny did it, right? The guy who I mean, you can, you can do this in your social media, on your YouTube really? channel. But do you risk going to jail? I don't know. <laughs> you, you're I not don't sure. Know. You've never had anybody that you know go to jail for no. political purposes no. or anything like that? No. <laughs> the night we met, you were telling me that as part of the curriculum for school, you were required to read the Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, it's an all school program. That's incredible. We to have, me. Yeah, we have many. Uh, very hard, difficult books in our school program. Yeah. I mean, that's for high school, when you are 16, 17 years old, mm-hmm. but still. The Gulag Archipelago, for those who don't know, to tell us, give us a, uh, what's the book about? Oh, I don't remember. The no? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so I've read it twice, yeah, and it's, so. it's, it's heavy. It's hard to read, not, not necessarily because of the difficulty of the words or anything, but you see the worst of human nature. We're talking about a prison system where people were sent during the 20th century who were political prisoners or they were kulaks, they called them, which were uh, running the farms out in the countrysides. And remember, I had told you about the Holodomor. Did you get a chance to look up the Holodomor? The Holodomor in Ukraine, the famine. Ah, uh, no. You haven't had a chance yes. to look it up. Yeah, I didn't write it down, so okay. I, I forgot the name. No worries. Yes, it is. but you had never heard of it, which is interesting. No, to I me. think I, I heard about this just because in English it's a bit difficult, different oh, okay. pronunciation. Okay. So that's that's the thing. Yeah. But many Americans, I would say most Americans, aren't aware of the Holodomor, which was a famine in Ukraine. A man-made famine, supposedly by Stalin, uh, that killed upwards of six or seven million people starved to death. And one of the questions I asked you when we met, because the ruble was dropping so fast, which I'm sure it still is, are you concerned about your parents eating because they're still back in Russia? And you said... I, I said that in Russia, there are many people who has country houses with some piece of land. So it's kind of traditional to have a flat in the city and country house in the country side. So at least you can, you can yeah, grow something, some vegetables, apples, mm. pears, so mm-hmm. almost everywhere. Oh, you also, for example, my mother, she knows about mushrooms and berries. So mm-hmm. it was our tradition when I was a child, uh, like every summer, 
in autumn, go to the forest and pick up mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So when we cook it, cook some soup or just fry them, the potato, it's very tasty. <laughs> so they still can do this. Yes. And it's also quite like a lot of protein. <laughs> yeah, and you even can grow up some vegetables in your balcony. My mom did it also before as a hobby, like some cucumbers and tomato on the balcony. It was nice in the flat. Okay, so your average American would starve should the dollar do what the ruble has done. We don't have those sorts of practical skills. Yes, in Russia we, we are very practical. And yeah, we know how to, how to survive, I think. Why? Why? Why do you have those skills to survive? Mm, maybe because of our history. We already, when it was like 90s, we already had this period that people were starving and during the war too. Like I'm sorry, what? what during was... the war. Uh, war, like uh, Second World War. Second World War. Yeah, it was like war in our territory. So, for example, St. Petersburg were occupied uh, for years. and By Nazis? Yeah, yeah, by, by German uh, army. And uh, people, they create uh, bread from the um, clay and uh, wood. So they were eating wood. Wow. And some, yeah, some piece of flavor to make it kind of bread. And yeah, this was a difficult time when it was 90s. Also, there's uh, when uh, Soviet Union uh, was... Like, Imploded, impl basically, yeah, in 1991. Yes. And it was a crisis. And people, they had no job, had no money. Yeah, and also there was a, like a huge queues in the supermarkets. So no food, nothing. You can't buy anything. So people eat what they could find, like what they could make themselves, grow some vegetables or make their own bread. I was 11 years old when the Berlin Wall came down, fall of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. You would have been five or six years old. What are yeah. your memories from that time? Mm, maybe it was worse when I was two, three years old. I remember my mother, uh, she sold some our clothes, like new clothes, which my grandmother sent to us. She sold, sold it on the street next to their the shop for children's, the supermarket. Yeah, just to, to get some money. Yeah, but actually my father, he, he was paid a good salary. So What did he do, your father? He, he, was, he worked for Ministry of Justice. Oh, but wow. But he was an like expert for... Judgment? Like expert. So that paid him a pretty good salary. Yes. And he yes. was in the Ministry of Justice, you said? I think, yeah, he's uh, not the company, it was government uh, expertise center. They yeah, serve government too. Government and uh, he had a job that moment, mm. that period. Typically in communist countries, and even in former communist countries, so I've been to Romania, for example, and those who have money have connections to the government because there's not a lot of commerce. And one of the things I remember going into a club in Romania and the women there are some of the most beautiful women in the world. And 
they wouldn't give me and my buddy like the time of day. And I remember asking a Romanian guy, why won't these girls pay any attention to us? And he said, well, they would be ostracized, meaning shunned or avoided by the rest of us because you're an outsider and we would accuse them of being a gold digger. Mm-hmm. Have you ever dealt with a situation like that where you felt as though intermingling with Westerners would get you shamed in your own country or by your friends or anything like that? To be honest, uh, it's a bit opposite situation. Hmm. Because in Russia, we still have like our relationship still quite traditional. So we have a man uh, who... Um, provide the food, money for accommodation or for the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, women who who stays at home there with children, raise children, of course they can work, but they work not for surviving. They work just because they want. So, yeah, and uh, I, I had some situations even here, I've been talking to some Americans, Canadian uh, men, and they told me like, oh, all Russians are gold diggers. Mm. And for me, it's like a question. First of all, like, usually people who doesn't have any gold can say this. They just can't afford yeah. <laughs> that uh, beautiful women and they can't say, that, yeah, so that's why they're angry. I try to um, depreciate them. Mm-hmm. and depreciate them. yes mm-hmm. depreciate them from other side uh, i mean if they could they would be gold digger too if they could if who's some, they the guys that guys uh. if, if there's gonna be a, a woman now you're talking about russian guys no i'm talking about canadian canadian american because <laughs> in russian guys like any guy mm-hmm. i mean I saw some gays who are not gays, but they became there just for money. They became gay for no, money. No, not gays, but they spent time with some rich gays just for money. Uh, here, and in Mexico. I think it's all around the world. Really? So mm. it's not about only like Russian women, a gold digger. And another, my, my friend from from United States, he told me that actually... He dated with American women and Russian women, and he told me that American women they need only things, even for to date uh, with you, they ask to buy you something. But Russian women, if you treat them as a, as a queen, they treat you as a king. That's why he likes Russian women most. And well, so and I, th- I think that is the polarity that you speak of where in Russia, in Eastern European, in a lot of Latin America and South America, you still have the polarity between the sexes where the man is the masculine type and the girl is the feminine type. Whereas in the West, in the United States, we have this androgynous culture where women are trying to be men and men are trying to be women. In fact, this has happened on several occasions where I'll ask my wife, like one of her friends will hang out with us and I'll say, is he gay? And she'll say, no, he's just my age. 
meaning 25 years old. So men who are 15 years younger than, let's say, me, I'm 41, have about 25% less testosterone. That's been proven out. And I don't know to what that can be attributed. Maybe it's pornography addiction. Maybe it's... I think food. Food? Of course, Uh, always uh, processed food. Processed food, sure. And beer and all what they add to the food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes your testosterone less. But that's true. Interesting you, you say that the Canadians... Even the guys would be gold diggers too. Is, is that because here? I, I don't know. I mean, if if they had a chance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> why not? <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because most of the people who live here, who especially younger people, don't have a lot of money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. You know, mm-hmm. like people move here so they can live cheaply. A lot of times so that they can have a job where they work online mm-hmm. and, and usually they don't make that much money. Uh, the beautiful thing about America, if you're curious, especially where I'm from in Houston, is you can make a lot of money and the cost of living is pretty low. Whereas in, in a lot of major cities in America, that's not true. Like San Francisco, New York City, Chicago, mm-hmm. you can make a lot of money, but you're going to spend a lot of money. Yes. Because things cost so much. Miami, yes. you know, Paris is like that. Tokyo, London. So the, the good life for listeners is to make good money and then go off the grid to a small town like Akumal, Mexico, and live like a king with the money that you've made in the big city. Or to Asia. The, or to Asia, In Asia, yes. it's much more cheaper. Believe me, I've been living in Bali for six months. Bali? Yes, in Indonesia. I lived, I lived in Bali for a few months. Yeah, so compared to Bali here, people are quite rich. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. I mean, not the local one, but even like foreigners, because everyone, not everyone, but most of the people came to Bali for to save money mm. yeah so mm, yeah and there are many russians who live there too for the same reason because mm-hmm. it's cheaper than in russia so they can work online because mm-hmm. mexico is not cheap for russians if you work for a russian company here you spend the same amount as in um, moscow wow yeah that's Weird. That's crazy for me to hear because people will retire at, say, 55 years old. In fact, the guy who has the most popular blog in Mexico, it's called, I believe it's called Two Expats in Mexico, but don't quote me on that. I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes. But he was a, a police officer in Florida for, let's say, 25 years. I'm not sure how long exactly. But was able to retire a young man at 52, 55 years old or something after he had done his time in the police academy or police for, on the police force. And they live in Akumal in a, they bought a $200,000 condo, which is probably worth $250,000 now. They share all their expenses mm-hmm. online. And so they live on, I believe, $2,000 a month. And mm-hmm. live a very, very comfortable lifestyle. And so that sort of thing is available to Americans. And you're telling me that living here is no cheaper than Moscow. It's not like 
you'd be in Moscow working and say, well, let me retire to Mexico because it's cheaper. It's not, no. right? I mean, in Playa del Carmen. In other parts of Mexico, yeah, it's a bit cheaper. But there's no people, there's yes, no action. The, yeah, there's no yeah. community action there. You can just, yeah. What brought you to Playa del Carmen? Uh, as I mentioned, I spent uh, last year in Bali, and this year, for this winter, I was thinking where to go, because I've been working online, so I wanted to spend my winter in a nice climate. <laughs> but then I decided that uh, I want to, to go somewhere new places, because I've been to Bali, and it was like recently, so I, for me it would be the same. Uh, same people, same same places and everything so but i've been to mexico before and i've been to south america before uh, i've been traveling a lot and i love this region so that's why i came here to improve my spanish to to stay here and travel around south america uh central america too yeah so i came here in december I love Bali. If I had to go someplace tomorrow for six months, it would be either Thailand, Prague, or Bali. Bali is beautiful. I and, love it. And Thailand too. Uh, what part of Bali were you living in? Uh, in Changu. Changu, okay. So I haven't spent a lot of time in Changu. I mostly was in the Kuta region, mm -hmm. Simanyak. Stayed there for probably a month. Spent quite a bit of time in Ubud, which is where everybody yes. likes to go. Yes. Ubud, for those who haven't been, has a monkey forest. And so there are monkeys. You see a lot of monkeys there. It's hilly. Everybody pretty much rides a scooter around the town. And it's the most lush, green place you'll ever visit. And the people are so nice and sincere. There's poverty if you went looking for it, but it's so it's so infused with people from the West that you, you'd have to go looking for the poverty. Uh, but my wife and I have taught at the, a school there in a poverty-stricken area called Badulu is the area. Yeah, a lot of the... Bali hotels are hot spots for honeymooners because they have those little splash pools. Did you ever have you ever stayed in one of those hotels that have the little splash pool attached? It's amazing. It's like yeah. a like a seven foot by by nine foot pool, and it's in your backyard, and you can have room service for like three to four dollars. And it's amazing. And to an, to an American, that's, it's incredibly inexpensive. And yes. Thailand is the same way. The yeah. first time I ever got room service in Thailand, it was $4.32. And I had eggs and ham and coffee and rice and eggs. I mean, like everything I could have possibly wanted. A fresh plate of fruit with papaya and pineapple. And the girl was so cute and sincere, I handed her a tip that was the equivalent of the amount of food. So I gave her $8 mm -hmm. roughly. But then I thought about it and I said, you know, we have to, 
restrain ourselves from doing that sort of thing because what happens is it makes it expensive for everyone else, right? Yeah, it can be. Because or would you have tipped her? You don't come from a tipping culture, right? Yeah, we don't. We we tip if they have a good service. It's mm. not obligated. Okay. Yeah. So even here, sometimes I have issue. Yeah. Because then service is not good, but you. They even push you to, to leave the tips. Mm-hmm. So if you and I went across and had breakfast and you were buying and it was the bill was $20, would you, would you leave a tip if the service was average? I mean, here, yes, I always leave a tips because uh, it's a rule here. Is it? Suppose. Yeah. See, I think Americans have have Maybe imposed create, our culture yes, on yes, them yeah. because it's, Europeans don't tip, and yeah. I don't know if they tip when they come here. I don't think they do. Europeans tips also for the good service, good good meal, yeah, good place. That's a good point. Yes, one of my in Russia too, we always leave tips for the yeah good places. Now more before it wasn't in our culture, but now yes. But isn't it usually like if the bill is $19.12, you'll give them a 20 and say, keep the change, like that's the tip? It's not like in America, you'll see people pull out a calculator and calculate 25% and then mm-hmm. give them, you know, $4. No, here in Russia, we usually leave like 10%. Yeah. If yeah. it's a very good service, we can leave 15%. Okay. Yeah, sometimes if you don't have enough money, but now, for example, if you don't have cash, so now they have uh, tips and special, like you can add tips in paying by card, like mm-hmm. separately. Yeah. So, progress. <laughs> what was it like growing up in Russia? It was nice. Really? Yes, I, I love my country. I love my country. I love people and cities and natures. I love my friends. I miss mm. them here. So in what, I I grew up in a, in a good family, so I never had money problems. Like, your mom and dad are still married. Uh, my father died five mm. years ago. Yeah. Of what did he die of? Mm, he was just older than my mother, like mm. much older. So he was yeah he was almost eighty. Okay. When, when he died, so. Siblings? Do you have brothers and I sisters? I have one brother. One yeah, brother? he is in Saint Petersburg now. What does he do? Uh, he works with cars, and he also have a boat for tourists, you know, because St. Petersburg is full of channels and rivers, and very beautiful. So we have, like, these tourist uh, speedboats, which you can rent, mm-hmm. and sightseeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would so, imagine tourism is down right now. Um, yes, I mean, of course, for the last two years, there was not any foreign tourists. Yeah. But it was local tourists. Mm. Yeah, they still they still travel in our country. And St. Petersburg is a beautiful city, so many people want to see this. Yeah, I want to go some someday. Yes, it's beautiful. When was the first time you heard that there was a Russia-Ukraine conflict going on? To be honest, I don't watch news and don't read news for more than 15 years. So... Oh. <laughs> Because I care about my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Very wise. <laughs> so some some friends mentioned me something, especially here. Some foreigner friends told me like, 
all countries going to attack Ukraine. And I didn't believe it. I was like, no, it's like manipulation. I don't believe all this mass media. And then, um, then the start, uh, I was with my friend in the morning and she told me. So I, I didn't believe uh, all this because I don't believe mass media. But yeah, then it starts in, se in several days. After that, uh, I was like, okay, it starts. It's, it was true. Mm. But anyway, so, so, so many manipulations. Manipulations with people, with facts, with everything. So it's hard to, to believe any word. Even if it's something going on there, we never know what the truth is. There are so many fake accounts in Instagram or Telegram or YouTube, like advertising. Um, especially that days, there was advertising that uh, in the Russian Instagram that people, you have to go on the street, you have to go to, to this like, street and take like, remove Putin, you know, to have this uh, revolution. So, and someone paid for this advertising and we all know who was paid. <laughs> yeah, because Instagram is Facebook Facebook is Instagram so it's like yeah. so you're saying some revolutionary spent a million dollars to advertise on Instagram and Facebook to get the Russian people out on the streets to yes. look as though they wanted Putin out of office yes yes and they, they just want to destroy our country hmm so what was it that convinced you that there was an actual conflict that Russia was actually moving forces into Ukraine? Mm, I don't understand. You want me to? Okay. Um, at first, you didn't believe yes. that Russia was invading Ukraine. Mm -hmm. What finally made you realize that that was actually happening? Uh, just because I heard it from my friends, and it's, yeah, they crossed the borders. But the conflict in Ukraine uh, has been already around 10 years. And all these 10 years, they were talking that they have a war with Russians on their territory, on this Donbass territory. Mm -hmm. They told me that Russian, they... And there's a Russian army, they gave some like Russian forces, they gave some weapon. So they've been talking this was a war with Russian, but then it was a real Russian army uh, crossed the border. They start like, oh, what's happened? What's happened? No. I mean, they've been talking about this before. And of course, it was a conflict, and it was a conflict with Russian people in Ukraine. To be honest, for me, there is no difference between Ukrainian and Russians. No it's difference because... Just because it's the same nation. It's the same nation. And the Kiev was the first capital of Russia. Like when the uh, Russia just began, like in the 7th century. So that's... Uh, that's why for, for me, it's, it's very sad that... Uh, they create all this conflict and Ukraine is my opinion yeah I don't know if it's true or not but my opinion is that all this western country they train Ukraine like, like a dog you know they, 
to use Ukraine to have a conflict with Russia. Because mm. they just they they have clean hands. Because it's they don't do anything. But of course they support Ukraine, they give the weapon, they it's maybe some like um uh, condition for Ukraine to to get to NATO. Mm. You know, if you if you want to to be part of our community, you should do this, 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 and this. If you want to be part of NATO, yes. here are the conditions. Yes. yes. Okay. And this is one of condition for sure. So why did Putin bring his armed forces into Ukraine? Just re- recently, in the last month or so. As they say that, also because of the uh, laboratories like biological laboratories on the Ukraine territory, like American laboratories. And they actually, uh, I read, uh, I, I saw some interview of American politics, and they told me, yeah, that's true. We have biological laboratories in Ukraine territory. Mm. And the thing is, I talked to my friend from Russia, and she told me, yeah, maybe because they have the workers are cheaper in Ukraine. That's why they have biological laboratories in Ukraine territory. Mm. I said, this was so, uh, such a naive girl. <laughs> no, no, they have because they can create some weapon. If something happens in the laboratory, it's going to be so far from their borders, and so far from their countries. And also they can use all these mosquitoes and other insects to, uh, to deliver all this biological weapon to Russia. So something similar to the lab in China, you're saying yeah. that the U.S. has a lab in Ukraine and that may have prompted Putin to want to go into Ukraine. To destroy this. To destroy the lab. Okay. And, and then what? Yeah, I know some uh, Europeans, they're afraid they, the Russia goes like far out or to Europe. I mean, the social, uh, all this mass media, they make people believe in it and to be in fear. That Putin is going to expand the empire. Yes, yes. But to be honest, I'm not sure it's going to happen. No. Mm. That's not a lot of confidence. You're not sure it's going to happen. No, no. Do you think Putin... No, I'm I'm sure it's not. It's a a lot of money. No, it's not the issue. It's not the reason because Ukraine, Ukraine is like for Russia like a daughter, you know. It's <laughs> and uh, many people think that they should not let it go when it was like uh, Soviet Union uh, separated. So they just gave him just to keep it, to keep good relationship with this and everything. Okay, so that's yeah. what I was going to ask. Do you think if Putin could? he would return the Soviet Union to its former size, let's say, with the Eastern Bloc countries mm. belonging to Russia, Hungary, Romania, Czech Republic, uh, Poland. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because it's going to be so bad uh, regions for, for the country. Even, even if he wants to do this, it's going to be countries with conflicts all the time. And you have to... We heard they have... Uh, Chechnya in Russia. This re- Chechnya? Yes, Chechnya and the Kafkas. So this is a region with kind of wild people. So 
there are some terrorists there. So you, you have to spend a lot of money, people, resources to, to keep it uh, in a peace, to, to keep it like in, in order. I think it's... The, I, I even don't think that uh, Russia wants to, to have like Ukraine to, part of the Russia mm. to, to get it back. No. Um, I'm sure they want to change uh, the president, like the government there. Zelensky, they want him out, you think? Uh, he, he's not a political. He is an actor. Right. He's just a uh, muppet. Uh, puppet. Puppet. Mm. He's just a puppet. And mm. everyone knows this. It's like you shouldn't be a, a political expert <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to know this. Mm. So... So Putin probably wants to replace Zelensky with someone that is that has allegiance to him, to Putin. Not only for Putin, but for for the country. I don't know. I don't mm. know. To be honest, uh, yeah, I'm not going to share this interview because m- most of the people who I know are going to hate me after that. <laughs> really? Why would they hate you? Because the, the yeah, because they think that Ukraine is uh, I don't know. But just because my, my my opinion is a bit strict, and I don't think that Ukraine is a victim here. Because they not the Ukraine. I'm not talking about country and people. I have my family in Ukraine. Mm. I have some. Uh, I've been there, and I love it. And so. I even have like Ukrainian surname, so that's why for me there is no difference between people. I'm not talking when I say Ukraine. I'm not talking about people and uh, like country. I'm talking about government. Mm. Even when I talk about Russia, I never mention that. For me, country and government is two different things. So this is like a war between government and government. But manipulators try to make it war between people and people, and that's a problem. That's a problem uh, for everyone because everyone starts to take it personally and start to hate Russians like openly and even Facebook allowed to do this. And yeah, many people they they like to have this opportunity and they enjoying it, I guess. Now they have a reason, official reason to hate Russians. Before mm. it was like hidden a bit, now they're just free. To do this. I think in our country, President Biden's approval rating is something like 40%, something like that. It's usually 40 to 50%. What is the approval rating of Putin in Russia? Mm, I think it's more. I think more. it's, yeah, maybe 60. 60%. I mean, it's more than 50 for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe more. What kind of work do you do here? I work remotely for, for a Russian company, and you're paid in rubles. Yes. How yeah. does that work? Um, now, because it works not very well, just because you know that uh, Visa and Mastercard they blocked all Russian cards abroad, so it happened 10 of March. Since that, um, you don't have a card here. You you can't transfer your money here. I mean, people took some cash, like as much as they could. Mm, yeah, but now we found some opportunities to transfer money here. 
Oh, so there were ways to transfer money outside of Visa and MasterCard. Yeah, they block all all services for transferring money, like Wise, PaySend, uh, PayPal. Nothing is working in, in Russia anymore. Uh, so on Visa, MasterCard, they work only for Russian cards, only inside the Russia. They're still working there. Okay. But for all people who live outside of the Russia, they're blocked. Mm. So, yeah. So how are you paid? Um, I got money for my Russian account, and uh, here I can I transfer it through cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency? Yeah, okay. so you can do this. Yeah. But your rubles don't buy nearly as much cryptocurrency as it used to. Of course. Uh, then it's happened. Uh, the price for U.S. dollars and rubles was like double. I mean, almost double price, like rate. And now it's uh, plus... 20%, I think. Explain that to me, please. Uh, no. I mean, if before, uh, for one US dollar, uh, we have to pay like 73 rubles. Now it's for one dollar, 93 rubles. Mm, okay. So it's a bit more than 20%. Okay. So, so my, you... my, my salary became 20% less. Overnight. Yes. I thought it was worse than that. I mean, in the beginning, it was worse. Mm. In the beginning, it was 50%. Wow. I mean, when it started uh, in March, in March, it was 50%. For now, I don't know if it's, if it's going to keep this rate in for how long. You know, you, you never know. Maybe the ruble goes down or the, the stay here. But right now, with your job with the Russian company, you're taking a 20% pay cut, whereas for how long? A month, maybe two weeks, you were taking a 50% pay cut. Yeah. That had to be so scary. Yeah, it was. It, it was scary, and I had a lot of fear. And... Sleepless nights? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it, it was difficult. It was a difficult time for... For many, many, yeah, for, for everyone. Just uh, thought about this and about our safeness, about our surviving. Yeah. And it was, it, it was very unfair because they did it not for the government, they did it for people, for just regular people. And they talk about, they care about people, democracy, all these things, tolerance. No, there is no any tolerance here. They just, and they think that's going to change something. This economical situation is going to change their government's decision. No, they're okay. They don't care about people. They don't care about salaries or how people survive. Mm. So, it was it wasn't necessary. That kind of things. And it didn't your, it didn't help. Does your mom work? Uh, now she's retired. And they have some sort of social security or government oh, payments? Our pension is pensions. so... It's nothing. Yeah. It's like, now it's 100 US. 100 US per yes. month is what yes. she lives on? No, she, she lives with like... We, she also has some savings and yes, but... 
it's like it's our pension, yeah, that she has supposed to live. And ma- many, many people live like, like this, like old people, especially with no families. So it was always so bad in Russia, the pension. So for us, for young people, it was the best reason <laughs> to work hard, earn money, invest, and just because we knew government is not going to uh, take care about us when we are retiring. So it was just a joke <laughs> to, have, to have the pension in Russia. Do you think a lot about what your future looks like? I think about it, but I, don't, I, uh, I try to live like in, in this moment. And I'm sure my, my future is going to be very happy. And I try to be happy here and now and uh, continue to do what, what I want to do and what I can to do. And of course, I'm thinking about uh, new job opportunities, about things what I can do here or remotely, but not in Russia. Yeah, because for me, it's, uh, it's the most important now, this also to help my parents, to have my, my, my mother, my brother, because also his job is not very uh, good now. So he has no job because the car market is down. So now the prices for the cars is insane. And actually all prices in Russia, they raised like two, three times. When dollar went up, all prices went up. When dollar went down, Prices stay up, <laughs> so <laughs> there are so many jokes in internet about this. Like, that. give me an example of a meme or a joke. I mean, the, the joke is like the prices in Russia connected to dollars only when it go up. When it go down, <laughs> it's not connected <laughs> because prices stay like high. Yeah. <laughs> Even for some things and products which is not uh, paid by dollars. So it's like something local. But of course, all these things that international companies left Russia, uh, Russian market, it's very bad for economy. Maybe now it's okay, you don't notice it, but later, in several months and six months, one year, you can understand because they pay taxes. They have a lot of, um, like hire a lot of employees. And now it's going to be... Uh, many unemployed people, no taxes, no this economical income like for, for for Russia. So that's why I'm not, I don't want to go back to Russia. I, I don't see what I can do there. A lot of people have fled Hong Kong in the last few years after that security law passed mm-hmm. where they could no longer protest in the streets. I'm sure people are trying to leave Russia. And the girl, the friend that I have here in Playa del Karma from Russia, she doesn't want to go back to Russia. Are you dating? You mean if I date someone here? Uh, do, yeah, do you, do you date, uh, generally speaking? Yes. Yes? Yes. And which, what type of men do you prefer? <laughs> I didn't expect that kind of questions. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I mean, I know. Okay. Uh, smart, 
uh, independent, educative, with good sense of humor, and with the same values as me. Values, yeah. Va values, yes, the same mm -hmm. values as me. Have you ever been married? No. Kids? Do you want them? Yes, I, I want to have family one day. But with this situation, with then COVID start, I wasn't sure if I want to have children in this world. Mm. Uh, I had the fear that you never know what's going to happen next. And in this situation, the current situation, uh, now I worry only and responsible only for myself. But if I'm going to have children, it's going to be more difficult, more complicated. Yeah, but in the other way, people have children all the times during real pandemic, real wars, like in much worse situations. It's still lives going on and you can't stop it. You can't be afraid. If you're going to be afraid, you, you, it's better to die than live that kind of life. That's a wonderful point. There's seven billion people on the world in the world and the species has been perpetuated regardless. There have always been geopolitical conflicts. The history of the world is war, and you're absolutely right. People have children. There's this movie, Idiocracy, in America, and they show this well-to-do couple that's sitting on a Manhattan couch at their financial planner's office, and the financial planner says, are you planning on having kids? And the wife looks at the husband and says, well, with the markets, what the markets are doing, I just don't think it's the right time. And they're in their 30s. And, and then they flash to a trailer park with a couple who has three teeth in each mouth. And she's on the phone and has a baby in her hand. They got six screaming on the floor and he's on the couch drinking a beer with a big belly and she goes, she's like, Larry, we're pregnant again. She was on the phone with the doctor. And the point is, the people who should be having children are not and the people who probably shouldn't be having children yes. are having children. So what sorts of men have you dated here? What nationalities? Have you dated any Mexican men? No. No? Canadian? Not French-Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because they were a little too frou-frou? No, that's because they think the Russian are gold diggers. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's so interesting. No, it's just, uh, just a new stereotype here. No, no, I, I don't have stereotypes, <laughs> but I just have yeah some not very nice conversations with French-Canadians, so... I don't know what, what, what's wrong with them, but Interestingly, something wrong. <laughs> you, might, you might find this interesting. So the friend that I've mentioned several times who I had on the podcast, who is Russian, she married a French-Canadian from that area, and they have since divorced. So they lived here together and have gone separate ways. So mm -hmm. that's, that's so interesting. And we were friends. Like, my wife and I would go out to dinner with with them you know the four of us yeah and even my friend uh, she's russian but from new york she was my friend here now mm -hmm. she, she she left mexico she has the same opinion about mm. french canadians yeah that's so fascinating what about american men have you dated any uh yes yeah it was good and 
I have I still in touch with some men we're just kind of friends or yeah. acquaintances okay. I don't know it yeah but most of the Americans who I date they have yeah they think they're the same for example they they know how to date Russian women so they're interested in it they're they want to this because they know the the benefits of this. What do you mean by benefits? And mm, benefits, I'm, uh, I mean, date women who's uh, feminine, feminine, and who's not trying to push you down to show that she has balls bigger than <laughs> yours. <laughs> who is appreciate appreciate for what you're doing for yes. her, even if it's you know you pay for dinner yes. or invite some nice place. And the woman who wants to be courted, and yes, oh God, <laughs> thank you for saying this. Thank you, thank you. You know, you looking for a job now. You could give talks in America to American women and educate them on the ways of how to be feminine and and make a lot of money because we need that so bad. I coach several young men in their twenties. And I tell them that if you limit yourself to American women in their 20s, you are doing yourself such a disservice. Because generally speaking, young women in America have been taught to compete with men. And many of them are more masculine than our boys. It, it's incredible. So I, I tell them to travel to Eastern Europe, travel to Russia, meet women and, and experience, even Asia, experience feminine women because it's natural. It's going to spark something within you that is like, wow, this is right. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. That's funny. You mentioned that uh, I can coach women, like mm -hmm. how, how to be more feminine. Yes. I got some requests uh, during my traveling, mm -hmm. I've been to Asia and I met some Belgium girls. We went out together with some, I think, Canadian guys. Yeah, the guy, he paid my my dinner, my, my drinks, and he, yeah, he was very nice to me. And they asked me, how did you do this? How did you do... He, I, did, I did nothing. I just... I didn't ask him. I didn't do anything. Uh, he just wanted to do this for me just because of my attitude. Because other... Uh, one of the girls, she was so pushy. Mm. She has to make uh, her friend to do what he doesn't want to do. He just, she just was, yeah. So I told, yeah. that I gave her some tips. <laughs> Good just, for you. Yeah, just don't be so pushy. Yes, don't be so aggressive. <laughs> yeah, don't be so aggressive and just let the man decide. Yeah. You, can, you can ask if you want something, but not make him do what, what he doesn't want to do. Yes, men instinctually want to provide for women. We want to do that. It makes us feel masculine to do that. And I also had some friends, uh, European friends from England and France in Hong Kong. And we talk a lot about dating lives, about the relationship. And they told me that deep inside, they want to be feminine. But even their women's society around they they tell them you have to be strong you should you have to pay your drinks dinners whatever you have to work hard to show your independence or whatever yes 
even they kind of ashamed in their circle of their friends, uh, mothers, aunts, like even women, they don't support each other. Mm. So, but they told me, yeah, deep inside they want to be, yeah, they want to be women. Yeah, and you almost can't share that publicly because you'll be shamed. Yes, yeah, it's like in England or other European countries. Well, I'm doing my best. (laughs) If I were you, I'm serious. Start Zoom online coaching. Start a business. Maybe after your, I will help ma- you. Maybe after your podcast, we can, we can do some project. Yes. Just just uh, talks yes. or donation. Yes. And let's see how how it goes. I would <laughs> love that because I almost feel like it's my mission to bring back the polarity between the sexes. The dating that I was doing was. I couldn't believe what I was encountering when I was 34, dating 25, 26, 27. It's like, one, they had been taught to act like they don't like men. So you're on a date, and it's, it's as though they've been taught, pretend like you don't like him. That's not going to work, number one. But... Just masculine behaviors, believing that we're attracted to the same things that women are. For example, I have a degree in X or I have a PhD. Like, wonderful, but that, I, that doesn't attract me. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. yes. Like so you're just, not looking for a business partner. Right. <laughs> and, and that became... So such part of the narrative, like in my 20s, it was all about the power couple. Like you're going to be a businessman and, and uh, let's say a, an investment banker and you're going to marry a lawyer who is a female. I dated a lawyer in my 20s. It was like the worst experience of my life. She was on her BlackBerry at 11.30 p.m. answering emails, always on call, just hard charging she made $120,000 a year, which is a lot of money, especially in 2006. But was it worth it? I mean, she was exhausted and miserable all the time. Uh, she ended up marrying a doctor, so good for her. You know, she accused me of, of cheating on her, and I was like, we've been together all the time. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had a chance. And it turns out she was cheating on me. And of course, that's how it works, right? People project it tends to be the one who's cheating is usually accusing the other one of cheating. That's kind of how that works. Yes, it's a psychological thing because mm-hmm. they feel guilty mm-hmm. and they want you to be also the bad person, yes. not only them. Yes. So when I travel around the world, I'll usually ask, men what their favorite sort of woman is and a lot of time 99 percent of them say american women they think american women are so beautiful and i was in romania at a coffee shop and i asked a guy i said what are your favorite type of women because romania is known for having very beautiful women do you feel like you're a little bit spoiled and and he said Yes, we are spoiled here. We have very beautiful women. And he said, American women, they, they act like a man. And American men, they act like a woman. And I don't like this. And I'm like, golly. Not all. Not all. Nah, it also depends. Maybe, generally speaking. Yeah, maybe it depends on the region, on the state. I think some states are still very traditional in that 
kind of things. You'll see it in the smaller towns. For example, my brother grew up in a small town and married his high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. So they started dating. He was 17. She was 15. They got married at 23. He knows no other woman. I went a different route, moved to a major metropolis, dated until I was almost 38. So I got to know many different women and learned so much. God. And I what's your favorite type of women? <laughs> what's my favorite type? Your wife, of course. <laughs> Feminine. Uh, so there's a reason that I went outside of the borders. I don't want a competitor. I want someone who trusts my direction, that I have a macro view and she has a micro view. Does that, do, do, does that mm-hmm. make sense what I'm saying? So when a baby is born, I'm thinking about how do I support this child? Yes. How do I get her through college? She is micro nurturing right away. Yeah. And so I want a woman who understands the differences, respects the differences, and I find what's really hard to find or what was really hard to find is a woman who is grateful. Men like beautiful women because it inspires us. Yes. It gives us a jolt. That femininity fires us up. It gets us out of bed in the morning. We want to provide for you. And if you're sleeping next to a competitor who mm-hmm. is doing the same thing, I don't understand how sex would work between The androgynous type, so androgyny just means masculine and feminine are conflated. We have a lot of this where I see Facebook pictures where the guy is prettier than the girl, you know, and it's, and it's like, is this where we're going? I I can't believe it. The number of men who post selfies nowadays, the the vanity there, I, I can't, I can't grasp. But my wife stood out because she was feminine versus the other women that I was dating who either had mastered not acting like they're interested or playing the game, so to speak, whereas I was looking for old school courtship, like I'm going to court you, whereas she, most other women wanted to play the modern game. And of course, the whole relationship is texting nowadays and... And, yeah, I could tell you so many stories, I wouldn't even know where to start. But how old are you? I'm 35. 35. At what age would you say you would be married? Or would you hope to be married? When I was uh, 16... I was thinking, oh, when I'm going to be 25, it's going to be so old. I'm going to have get married and have two children already. Me too. But then I, when I was 25, I was like, oh, I'm still a child. <laughs> and I appreciate my freedom. I, I want to travel the world. So I, I did. I traveled a lot. And I worked and enjoyed my life. But yeah, I think uh, after 30 I I start to think about marriage that uh, I'm ready for 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 that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the would que- you express to a man that that's something you're interested in? Because I can tell you, when I was dating, no woman would ever say, "I, I would like a husband and kids," and that would have turned me on so much because I was looking at by 35, I'm looking for that too, you know. 
I always tell about this because I don't yeah. want to pretend uh, someone who I'm not. Like, and it's it's better to discuss in the beginning and to be open about what so you, you want. What, what, yeah, you don't waste your time. You don't waste other person time, and you just understand. Yeah, if they have you have the same goals or not. Right. So yeah, and I never, and I'm not ashamed of this. <laughs> Yeah. Of this desire and vision. Some sales guys make like $30,000 a <laughs> month. I mean, it's, it's incredible. But they throw it all away on, on Louis Vuitton and, and driving fancy cars and showing off. And a lot of that is to attract a woman. Well, what, are you, what kind of woman are you going to attract with that sort of shit, right? The luxury items. I don't mind do luxury it. items. Well, <laughs> I just wanted not. to be clear. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. But but I'm saying a guy driving a Ferrari. If I thought I would have attracted a better woman by driving a Ferrari, I would have driven a Ferrari. The sort of car that I drove, which was actually pretty nice, I was embarrassed picking women up in that car because I wanted to pick them up in a to Toyota Corolla. You know, uh, I have a friend here. She she's from Belarus, but she she's been living in the United States for twelve years. So, and we talked to her about all these things. Some some men, like foreigners, they have foreigners for me, like from United States, Canada, Europe. They have this insecure that uh, women like them because of their money. That's why, because they say the gold diggers and everything, but. Okay, if you don't want, uh, uh, they like you because of the money. Don't show it. Like, don't show off. Like, don't don't mm. uh, show them or don't. It's just because they're not self-confident. They think they have nothing except their money. So this is the most valuable thing they have. A lot of their confidence comes from the amount of money they make. And yes, that's and and that's that's why they're scared. They're afraid to, to open, to, to have a relationship because they always have this doubt, if I'm good enough or it's just my money. Mm. That's the thing. So, but of course, it's not many, like not all. Some people, they, they earn money and they spend how they want. And it's fair. I don't judge anyone. And I think you should spend your money as you want. If you want Ferrari, it's perfect. Buy it. If you want Louis Vuitton, perfect. I have a funny conversation with my friend. He told me, yeah, all women I, I date, they're so like, we date, and he's from the United States, and he also like thinks he's like alpha male, and he wants to have a woman who is not take him to her place in the same evening, on the same night, than we met in a bar. And he told me, all women around, they're so like, but you are, you are classy, you are so intelligent and everything. And I told him, okay, if you don't want uh, to date this kind of women, don't go to the bars and nightclubs to meet them. Go to the library. <laughs> so it's like, if you, if you want other kind of women, yeah. just go out of your zone there, you meet them. Yeah. If you go to the nightclubs and don't want to have these like, easygoing girls, don't go there. Yeah, when I was in my 20s, I may have spent in total... 42 nights in a club. <laughs> the amount of money that I spent on average was probably $70 each time that I went. You go, you drink, you're home at 2 a.m., you ruin your next day's productivity, 
the phone numbers that you get, nothing ever comes of it. It's because you can barely hear them in the club anyway. My greatest asset usually is my ability to talk. Well, in the clubs, it's dark, you can barely see each other, but it's all physical attractiveness. And yeah, a lot of those people are hooking up and having sex on the first night, and that usually doesn't bode well for a relationship, you know, if you want more down the road. So that's interesting. What city is she in? Uh, San Diego. San Diego. Mm, beautiful weather there. Year-round. Yeah, he beautiful told me weather. it's very beautiful there, and it's nice. So how, are you able to save money here, or do you have to spend it all? Mm, I have some savings, so now the thing is how to transfer it here. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you live alone, or do you have a roommate? Uh, now I have a roommate, okay. yeah. Do you live on this side of the highway, between the main highway and the water? Yeah, I live in the, in the city center. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. it's like five minutes from here. Okay, two-bedroom apartment or condo? Uh, it's a house, like three-bedrooms house. Oh, nice. Like a local house. And just two of you live there? Yes. And you pay rent? Yes. Do you mind me asking how much you pay? Mm, for, for this house, it's around 1,000 U.S. 1,000 U.S.? Yeah. Okay, so you split it, so it's about 500 U.S. dollars. That's not mm -hmm. bad. Yeah, it's That's fine. good. Yeah, especially if it's within walking distance of the beach and the, there's a Walmart here within walking distance. I love Playa Carmen, I, I really do. Can you tell me what your average day looks like? Had you not been doing this, you wake up on Monday, <laughs> so the last time I did this with a World War II veteran, he was 96 years old, he fought in World War II, and I said, walk me through your day, what does that look like? And he says, well, I wake up, I take care of my needs in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not what I'm looking for. Yes. So uh, what does your day look like? So I, I wake up, I, I go to the gym. Which one, Evolve or? Yes, Evolve. evolve? Uh, yeah, and I live close the, On there. On 5th yes, Yeah. That's where I go. Yeah, just because you don't need to wear a mask. In uh, the gym, it's nicer and there's no people there, but you have to wear a mask during right. training. Yeah, so, ridiculous. Some of yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why everyone goes to Evolve. Yeah, I go to the gym, uh, I did some yoga there also, some meditation. I try to meditate more now, just to, to keep my mind calm and just to be aware mm -hmm. a bit, especially. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. Were you raised in the church or no? Yes. Uh, my, my mother, she is religious. My father, he is atheist, but I believe in God. I also separate like religion, like an institute, like church's uh, uh, institute, and my uh, faith. Yes. Likewise. Yeah, so I, I follow some rules. I, I go to the church, but I choose which rules to, to follow. Because for me, the most important, and also like an Orthodox Christian, the most important thing is not to judge. So if you start, if you are... Christian, you start to say, oh, they're, they don't go to the church, or they don't wear a skirt, or they don't, so you just judge, so you, it's worse than you just drink alcohol, or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't go to the church. Do you find meditation and prayer very similar? Not very similar, but I think it's about the same, the same thing. Some people, they, they come to the church, then they have problems. They don't go to the church to to be grateful. 
to mm. say thank you for what yes. they have. And I talked to my friend about this, he's also religious, like uh, a few years ago, and we discussed it that sometimes you need to, to go to the churches to, to be thankful, to, to, to be grateful for, for things, not just ask for help. Yeah, people go there just when they need some help, uh, when they stuck or whatever. But in meditation, you try to to keep this state in your mind, to be grateful, to be calm, and to be aware. So uh, that's the difference mm-hmm. for me uh, about like praying and meditation. I love what you said about going to church and being grateful. For me and the relationship I have with God, number one is to give thanks and to be grateful. And if there's one characteristic that I could bestow on everyone in the world, it would be to be more grateful. I mean, gratitude is just where the good life starts, in my opinion. And the church does such a good job of that, which is teaching you to be grateful for what you have. It doesn't mean you can't pursue more, but being grateful for what you have. Yes, especially now in this time, I try to to enjoy every day and to be happy every day in spite of my mood or things that happen around. Just because you never know where this life ends or the world ends. Yes, the future is unknowable. Yes. Live immediately. Yeah, that's that's true. That's what I'm trying to do. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult, but I'm working on it. And you made a good point. People usually go to the church when they're in desperate need. And those societies who have less God tend to be the wealthiest. Because why would you feel the need to go and pray for something? when really you should be doing it. If you're at the top of the world, well, thank God that you're on that cloud. And then there are others that think that religions started when people congregated together more. So when cities and things started to form, when the world wasn't as rural, they needed a way to control people, and therefore religion was formed but religion has been indispensable throughout every era that we know of. Only an idiot would mock religion just for the effect that it's had on so many people's lives. I mean, it's, there's been some bad, too, of course. But there's a book called God's Debris by Scott Adams. Have you ever heard of it? Mm, no. He says that if you imagine five birds landing on the windowsill of a stained glass window of a church... And each bird is looking through a color, so like yellow, blue, green, Mm -hmm. orange. And each of those colors represents a religion, so Christian, Episcopalian, Muslim, whatever, Hinduism. However they feel after leaving that perch upon which they are looking through the glass, and through the stained glass, of course, would be the church, they're going to pass that down to their kids and say, hey, this really benefited me. And he used that, I think, in the book as an example to say this is why something like 95% of offspring adopt the same religion that their parents had. 
Yes. Why wouldn't you want to pass down these values that have helped you and benefited your life? So people always complain, oh, well, you're just the same religion your parents were. Yeah, well, they, they got something from it. They got fellowship and made friends and gave thanks and praise, and it uplifted them. And so it just makes yeah. sense to me. And for me, all religions are all about the same, mm. to be honest. And just different ways to, to the same goal. Different to, 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 ways yes, to, to the to, same God. Yes, I'll buy to sell goal to be closer to God, to be a better person. It's like the way to to go up. Yeah, <laughs> would be closer. Yes. Do you have a favorite book? Uh, yes, I have. It's called Shantaram. Uh-huh. It's a book um, about adventure, and uh, I I read it. It was yeah. It's full of now, especially I start to remember it quite often when COVID start. Because it's a book about an uh, Australian prisoner who escaped from the prison in Australia, mm-hmm. um, went to India, mm-hmm. and it's the book story of his life in India. And it's a book full of love, wars, friendship, some funny stories, full of like relationship with locals and foreigners and in the, inside of India. So it's a beautiful book, uh, very, very interesting. The author is Gregory David Roberts. I'm going to read it because just hearing you talk about it, a convicted Australian bank robber and heroin addict escapes from Pentridge Prison and flees to India. And the fact that you loved it, yeah, it's going to make me... Yeah, I, I loved his thoughts, uh, especially when they start uh, all these COVID things. And they start to limit it, like our... Mm, travelings, lives, you know, we, we try to keep us at home and not let you go outside and try to keep our mind also quite locked in some of this social and mass media information like bubble. And um, in this book, I remember there was a phrase about, because he, this guy, he was living in prison like many, many I don't know, years, months, I don't remember. But he also been to Carcer, so there he was alone for for the month in a dark small room. Mm. And the idea was that he told me, until I can think, until I have my imagination, I'm free. Yes. So they can't take my uh, liberty from me until I can travel or I can, in my mind or I can think what I want to think. My favorite book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and he was in Auschwitz, concentration camp mm-hmm. during World yeah, War II, I know. and he says something very similar. You can take everything away from a man except his mind, and you can go anywhere with your mind, and I believe he says, if you have a why, you can bear almost any how. You know, today I'm going to Cancun, and I'm going to meet uh, the, the guy I met several months ago here he's a Russian guy and he spent three years in Syrian prison he was just a tourist and they took him because they wanted to exchange him to someone else mm-hmm. and he spent these three years alone uh, there with no language, no nothing maybe, Syria? Syria, maybe it would be interesting for you to have podcast with him I can ask him if you're interested because love he told me about 
a way how he survived because it's very difficult mentally. Uh, yeah, he told me I was traveling in different worlds of my in my imagination because he'd been traveling around the world several times before. He's quite experienced and he, I think he's a very interesting person. Mm -hmm. He lives in Cancun. And yes, and he just told me that for him it was easy. He's going to write a book about this. So about all this journey. Maybe if it's interesting for you. It would be interesting for me. I think that, and I hate to say this, the last thing I would want to have happen to me is to be thrown into prison. But I have that sort of mind where I have now been so many places that I can put myself into rooms. 15 years from now, I'll be able to put myself in this room and have this conversation again. My mind works that way in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. And I've been blessed that way. But I'm also a dummy. Like, I didn't finish in the top half of my class in school. So God blessed me with certain tools and... One of the reasons I'm hired as a coach is to become anti-fragile and more robust and mentally mm -hmm. indestructible. I have that aspect of my nature, but I've got, believe me, I got my, my struggles too. We took a break and I told you that I'd get a taxi for you so that we could have more time. You were going to take the bus to Cancun and I said, well, I'll, I have four buddies who are taxi drivers here because I come here so much and so I'm negotiating with them to see who'll get me the best price to get you there and they're jacking up their prices they want one guy wants 1500 pesos to get you to Cancun now Cancun is an hour from here 1500 pesos is what 75 US dollars I mean yeah. they're trying to get me in the spot where it hurts without <laughs> lubrication where it hurts for me. The Ukraine-Russia thing, you think it's going to be over soon? You think Putin's going to remove troops and we'll be back to normal? Because a lot of people are dying there. I, I, ho I hope so, that it's going to finish soon. We, yeah. we don't need it. Yeah. Nobody needs this. It's just political games. Is it true that a lot of the Russian troops didn't even know that they were, quote, invading Ukraine? Like, they didn't know they would be fighting to the death? Like, I, from what I understand, a lot of them thought they were on a military exercise, for example. They didn't know they were going to fight a war. They were going to, to occupy Kiev, for example. And I know you said Kiev is pretty much Russian, but to no, 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 Ukrainians... I'm not, I'm not talking that Kiev is pretty much Russian. I'm talking about people that I don't see the difference between... Oh. I mean, it's the same nation. The same nation, of course, we are a mix of many, many nationalities already because we have many, uh, many like, uh, very rich history. Right. Going back to 7th century, Kiev was the capital, you said, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the capital. It was, I mean, Ukraine always was a part of the Russia. So that's why for me, there is no difference between people. And for me, it's like brothers goes against brothers. That's a problem for, for people. And f for troops, they just follow the... the um, instructions. Yes, they just follow instructions, like, like all armies all around the world and all countries. And 
that, that's uh, yeah, that's the thing. I heard the the worst thing that uh, Russian government sent these teenagers who's just first year of an army, you know, that's like who's like 18, 19 years old. They sent them there, and this is yeah, this is very very bad because they don't know what they're doing and. Of course, they can die. They yes, and many of children. them are. From what I understand, they wouldn't let men who were outside the ages of 18 and 60 leave Ukraine. They wouldn't allow them to flee because they had to stay and fight. I heard about this. I heard that, yeah, there's possibility of that. But many people escape Ukraine. They, many people escape Russia. So many people, they just, yeah, went to different countries, to, to Europe. But in Europe, to be honest, now it's not the best place because that I, I mentioned already this kind of hate again, against, yeah, that's, I mentioned about this hate uh, uh, against Russian. Even in Europe, some people who've been living there for 20 years, like Russian, Believing in Europe now, some neighbors or friends or people like workers, they they don't talk to them. They start to show them that they disrespect and they start to blame them, like just regular people. What's going on in the government? What's going on in the world? And it's also kind of uh, uh, double standards because nobody cares what's happened in other countries when it was a war, much worse than Ukraine much worse, and it destroyed everything from the beginning. In Ukraine, they don't destroy infrastructure. They don't destroy, they don't kill people per se. Of course it happens. Then there is a bomb, it, it happens. But it's, it's not a goal. It's not a goal to, to kill people. It's not a goal to destroy the country. Yes. But people, yeah, they don't care about what's happened in Iraq, Syria, what's happened in Africa, that what's happened in uh, Israel and Palestine. They don't care. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, especially in Africa, like nobody cares because it's yeah. Africa is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And but here it's so political, and everyone started to support Ukraine and hate Russians, I don't understand why. Because, of course, because they like brains, like washed brain. Brainwashed. Yeah, brainwashed. They believe what they have to believe, what they make them believe. And people so easy, especially now after COVID time, people so weak mentally. And they don't have their critical thinking. It's, a, it's much easier manipulating before. Yes. Because people <laughs> just not recover from the COVID. They're still under this pressure. They're still afraid of it. And then there's a new danger, like new game they start to play. And everyone talk about the Third World War that's all people in Europe are afraid of. And... So yeah. they, yeah, it's very easy for, for them to believe everything what's uh, in the TV or news.
well, now that people have demonstrated their ability to be brainwashed and manipulated, who knows what comes next in terms of control? Yes, yeah, it's... I have a feeling they don't leave us. Leave us. They don't leave us to, to, to leave. They're just going to continue to with all these things. I heard about new virus, which is going to be much worse in, than COVID. Maybe they're working on it in these biological laboratories right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Well, before this Putin thing, I, I thought shooting wars were a thing of the past. And it was debatable whether or not COVID was deliberately released. You had a president, U.S. president, who was talking shit, as we would say in our country, to China. And China doesn't take well to that. Uh, there are also people who think that the timing of it was incredible. Trump was up for re-election. And as soon as the second attempt to impeach him ended the COVID matter started. So that enabled mail-in voting to happen. And from what I understand, the easiest way to cheat in an, in an election is to have mail-in voting where you don't have to verify signatures or anything like that. So a lot of wild conspiracy theories out there, but so many conspiracy theories have come true that... Yes, yes. <laughs> and now it's not a question if there is a conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theory or not. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Unfortunately, some people still think that we are crazy if we believe in it. Mm -hmm. But it's not a coincidence. It's not something happened like just it happened. No. COVID. COVID, wars. It's, all, it's, a, it's a part of the plan. But we never know what the plan is about. There are many, many reasons why they can do this. And they're quite mm, uh, reasonable. Well, we're in the middle of things now, in the fog of war, so to speak. And I've said this many times for those who listen to the show, but 35 years from now, we're going to look back and say, Uyghurs, Taiwan, Hong Kong, President Trump, South China Sea, COVID. Did we, did we really think that, that this accidentally occurred? They shut down domestic travel, but allowed international travel. They wouldn't let us into the country to see what happened, like to figure out what happened. How could there be anything more important in the world than determining the source of this virus that's killed all these people? All right, I don't want to end on that note. I like to do fun questions at the end. Are you up for some fun questions? It depends okay. how fun it is. <laughs> it is. It is more fun than getting COVID and less fun than this banging that's going on in the building next door. I can't believe the timing of this banging. So yeah, we may have to do a separate hour. Social media, do you think is a net negative or net positive for society? Social media. Okay, let's be more specific. Oh, that's a great point. Okay, I'm going to say Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So and I've, Snapchat. I've never had Twitter. <laughs> so um, I had Facebook and Instagram, but I think then Instagram came. Other, like the rest of uh, social media, they stay in the shadow because mm. nobody uses 
Facebook or Twitter or other like Snapchat anymore. Maybe some people use, but not so much. Certain demographics do. I had a yeah. 25-year-old guy who on here who said, all we do is communicate through Snapchat. So ah, okay, okay, yes, age. yes. But I mean, Instagram is for, for all ages, from, I don't know, eight years old till 90 years old. It's more like white. Um... I can't say if it's good or, or bad. It's a reality. Yeah. And it's reality and nothing is good or bad in there and here. And we just make them good or bad. Judgments, uh, you mean? Not on judgment, but how we use it, for example. Exactly. How you use it, how, how it affects to you, how you let these things affect to your life. Yes. If you're... If you're addicted, if you look at the, the Instagram, other people's lives and jealous and put yourself in depression because your life is not so colorful, not so fun, mm-hmm. of course it's a bad, like for you, for, for your mental health. Mm-hmm. But also for businesses, it's a great opportunity. And so many people build their businesses in Instagram, advertise it and develop. And also for all kinds of professionals, it's like a network. You can find them. You can you can get so many so much good information there. It depends what you are looking for. It depends how you use it. Yes. Mm, yeah. So it's it's more like your responsibility. If you say, "Oh, it's very bad because I feel bad," it's just you let uh, other things decide. What, what you feel. Twitter can be such a cesspool, but it's the one app where I feel like you can learn a lot. And I'll give you an example. There's this account called Mile High Fire. And a few days ago, he tweeted, rents at one of our four-bedroom long-term rentals over the years. And then he listed 2014 through 22 and how rents had gone up from like 2300 all the way up to 3600 He said, this equates to a total of 55% increase in rent over eight years. And so someone you would think would want to learn from this guy, wow, you've built so much wealth, that's so interesting. Well, Adam Fowler replies, thanks for sharing. I'm in Denver and want to thank you for squeezing the rental market and increasing the rate at the cost of living in my hometown. And another kudos for bragging about it, well done. So Mile High Fire, to his credit, says, you probably don't want to hear this, but I don't control the market. I simply react to it. If the market would only tolerate $1,500 a month for this property, I would list it for that. If there was demand for this property at, say, $5,000 a month, I would list it for that. It's out of my hands. And Adam Fowler says, but you do control the market. You are the market. And proceeds to call the guy an asshole. (laughs) So... Fast forward, he explained to the guy, he said, do you own a home? And the guy says, yes. And he says, are you going to sell it for what you bought it for or whatever you can get for it? And he said, I'm going to sell it for the most I can get for it, smart guy. (laughs) And it's like, you've been owned and he doesn't even realize it. He doesn't say, oh, thanks for educating me. It's just crazy. This guy he was arguing with claims himself to be this altruistic, compassionate person who cares, 
but when you put him in the shoes of someone who owns the real estate, are you going to rent it for $500 when you could rent it for $2,000 and better support your family? And he's like, oh, no, smart guy, I'm not. And, it's, you know, you got owned and you don't even realize it. So. Yeah, there's just kind of people who try to blame others in their problems or on their life issues. It's, it's just yes. his position in life. And, yes, and this guy wanted to, he was virtue signaling. He wanted, there was nothing that was going to educate him that would diminish his view of himself. So he wants to think highly of himself. And so he's like, you asshole, you're raising rents on mm -hmm. people. Dude. So, yeah, Twitter can be a good app. Most of the others are crap. <laughs> uh, no, would... Facebook also good. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, good. I yeah. mean, the idea, idea to keep your friends somewhere so you can communicate to them if you need them or you can just see how they live. It's a wonderful point. It's, it keeps people in contact. I would bet you and I will know each other when we're 75 years old because we met and connected on social media. And besides, this will live forever. This will <laughs> George Clooney or Brad Pitt? Uh, George Clooney. <laughs> what is your favorite movie all time? Oh, it's... Duh, let me think about it. This is not it. Well, think about it, and I'll ask you another question because I know you need to go shortly. What is your favorite band or type of music or favorite album of all time? Mm, I, I like like indie rock. Indie rock? Yes, I like indie rock. Actually, I like jazz. I like different kinds of musics. And here in Mexico, I like reggaeton and reggaeton. yes, I, I, I dance salsa, bachata, so hey. I like this music too. It's very fun. También. Yo también. Okay, if you were a Jeopardy contestant, have you heard of the show Jeopardy? All right, it's a quiz show where at the end there's a final category. They don't, they don't give you the final category until the end. But if you got to choose the final category, what would you choose? In other words, what topic do you know a lot about where you'd be confident you'd get the right answer? And it can't be your profession. So don't do antiques or... Maybe psychology. Psychology? Psychology. Do you think the leading cause of distraction among young people today? Because we're really distracted. I'm sure you'd agree. Do you think it's due to external factors or is it, is, is it more internally driven? Like boredom or anxiety, fatigue, whatever it is. Um, internal, it's uh, from the person or mm -hmm. I think it's more external from the, f yeah. from the family. From the family? Yes. Because the child, when it's like a child, it's free. It's, it's free and it's like an animal. I mean, the child until two years, three years old, mm -hmm. they they don't have all these limits. They don't have fears and nothing. They're explorer. They just, and they act like their parents. Even if their parents, they don't show something, but 
children they can feel it they can feel people like also in animals they they feel your they feel your fear they feel your anxiety and if the child feels the parents uh, like mother mostly uh, fear anxiety they also acting like this and became part of their um, psychological makeup yes yes or if their yeah mother said oh don't touch this one don't touch this one don't go there it's dangerous it's dangerous and dangerous the child became afraid of everything yeah family the mother because mostly like in this age the closest person for the child is mother mm-hmm. affect a lot of the children mm-hmm. yeah and then the relationship in the family like environment in the family too mm-hmm. I, I read a lot about this and because I study my psychological I tried to improve my relationship for changing my attitude to my parents marriage to my parents um, relationship especially for example if parents are arguing the child can think he's a reason of arguing yeah. because he, the child in a certain age they think the world surround like is around them they're mm-hmm. like they're very egocentric that's the thing if something going on is always going about him mm-hmm. about the child yeah no you're right if you could go anywhere in the world for two weeks, where would you go? Guatemala. Guatemala? Yeah. Interesting. It's in my list, and I came here to go to Guatemala, mm-hmm. but they require a vaccine certificate now. So that's why I didn't go there. If someone were to give you 100,000 U.S. dollars worth of stock, which is your ownership in one of these three companies, Spotify, Airbnb, or Pinterest, which, which would you take? Airbnb. Do you use Airbnb? Yes, I use Airbnb. You're hosting a dinner party at your house. Cost is not an issue. Are you having four, six, or 12 guests? What kind of party? Just a uh, dinner party. Ah, just dinner cost party. Cost is no issue. So never mind the cost. Let's say I'm picking up the tab. Do you want four, six, or 12 guests? It depends on the country. <laughs> <laughs> In Russia, 12. <laughs> nice. Good uh, here, maybe six. Uh... <laughs> okay, at this dinner party, you cling, cling your glass, and you stand up because you want to thank everybody for coming. What do you say after thank you? Uh, I will say that I really appreciate my circle, I really appreciate my friends, and I also appreciate my ability to make friends in any age. That I made such nice friends when I was 30, even here, like new friends who became much closer than my classmates or people who I spent my childhood. Just because now we are more connected, we have the same... Uh, lifestyle and uh, think uh, way of thinking for me people the, they're valuable, valuable no 
valuable valuable the most valuable thing uh, in the world yeah I agree. <laughs> is not wanting something just as good as having it? Yeah, it's just good to to have them and even everything what I I get, all good things I I get from from people. So all my jobs, my friends recommend me to this job or they recommend me or just it's all about connections. And I, I like it. I like meet new people know about their life, their lifestyle, and just learn from, from them. What percentage likelihood would you give the coronavirus being deliberately unleashed on the world? What, what, what percentage likelihood would you say there's a 50% chance that China deliberately unleashed COVID on the world, a 20% chance, a 90% chance? What percentage do you think? I don't believe in this theory that China... So it was an act, total accident? No, it, uh, I don't believe it was accident. And I don't believe it was China. It can be, it can be laboratory from China territory, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, it was an act, it was action. So it, it wasn't something that happened. So you think it happened intentionally? Yes, intentionally. On the world? Yes. Uh, do you know any hardcore communists? No. 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 Do you think communists value human life at all? Or no, not at all? Yes. I mean, the real communism, like how, it should, so how it's supposed to be, it's about uh, equal rights for people, equal um, possibilities, and equal uh, like benefits also. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad uh, thing, but it depends. Because totalitarianism is not communism. So communism is about communa. So then people live together and share everything for them. But nowadays it's an individual world. So it's very difficult to be communist here, like a real one. Yeah, a real communist. What, what are the downsides of communism? Uh, the bad thing of, like, yeah. of what, this real communism, it's, a, it's kind of utopia. It's what? Utopia. 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 Yes, ah, yes. And it's it, very hard to attain utopia on Earth. Yes. Why it, is that? Yes. Just because we are humans, and ah, <laughs> we, yes, we are humans, and there is also always going to be a competition. If you have to be like equal to everyone, there is someone who is more stronger, who's stronger, who's uh, like weaker, who's smarter, and people are still in the different uh, levels. Yes, and you can't. You're saying people are still going to be on different levels, even though you have communism, which is Animal Farm. Yes, right? yes, yeah, I love this book, Anim Animal Farm. Yes, and you can't equate uh, people because they, they want to be uh, individuals. It depends on the size of community. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs>
if people wanted to connect with you online, how could they do that? Mm, maybe from my Instagram. What is your Instagram? Uh, Allegra Bond. A double L E G R A B O N D. You heard it here, folks. Hello. <laughs> I really appreciate you joining me. This was a fascinating discussion that I so much enjoy. I don't get to have conversations like this very often. So thank you so much for being well, with me. Thank you for invitation. It was a new experience for me. It was very fun and interesting. Yeah. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah, I would love to. So right. some other topics, nicer, just relationship with no war, yeah, oh, <laughs> no, no economy, no politics. <laughs> I know you need to get to Cancun. Yes. Thank you for giving me the, the extra time that you did. Let's get you in a taxi and on the road. Listeners, I can't thank you enough for tuning in. It means the world to me because I realize you could be doing anything in the world right now, but listening to me and Allah, but you chose to be here. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please copy the link and share it with a friend. And I will see you folks down the road. Bye-bye.